Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Welcome, everyone. Very glad that you are with us this evening. You guys are on time. You know, some folks still running around, which is, you know, understood. Trying to get ready for the Sabbath. At this point, it's good just to be sitting down. I don't know about you, but it has been a full week, a full, busy, busy week. Uh, I just want to say real quickly on this, the Lord has been very good to us. Uh, we have some more work being done at the lodge and it is turning out to be very, very nice. And again, at some point here, I believe in June, we're going to bring every, you're, everyone's going to be invited to come and visit or, and uh, we'll do a Bible study right here in, in person right at the lodge on a Friday night and for those who are in the area and then we'll broadcast it for those who are not in the area and, and uh, just delve deep. So I'm excited about what's happening right now. We just redid the floors and now they're painting the whole thing. So that's going to be nice. And you just pray that the funds continue to appear so that things can take, be taken care of. That's what you guys can lift that up in your prayers. That would be great. Tonight, we're going to continue our study from last week and kind of build on that. Uh, we have, I don't know, let's see, this is week number 12? I think it's week number 12. We have 17 lessons total. Mm -hmm. I believe this is week number 12. And so we, we're not far from being done with this set of series of studies. Um, so you guys pray that my writing and organizational skills enhance <laughs> so I can, I can have everything in order, you know, and get things done. And then I'll start, we're going to start another series. Uh, I'm going to take a break so I can, you know, kind of write some things and get some things in order. And then we'll start another series uh, probably a month or two after this present one. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing and how he's working his miracle working in our hearts. So a happy Sabbath to everyone. Those of you who are already in the Sabbath and other parts of the world, happy Sabbath to you. Those of you who are listening blessings on your soul who are if you're going to be listening to the recording um god bless you it's good to see all of you tonight let's get ready to study let's let's get ready to open the word of god and before we do that you and i are not smart enough or intelligent enough to understand the word of god without the gift of the holy spirit so let's ask god for help even now let's pray father in heaven we want to thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy I want to thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. And Lord, as we are about to open inspiration, as we're about to discuss truth, as we are about to open our minds to hear you speak to us, we pray, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. You see each of our accounts, there's nothing hidden from your eyes, and we pray, Lord, for clarity of thought and feeling that it reflects your own. Lord, we're living in some precarious times, and there are many things and many stressors 
that will draw our eyes away from you. But we pray, Lord, for a deep abiding trust that the world can never take away. Give us a clear revelation of your dear son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So the recordings are recording. The podcast is podcasting. YouTube is YouTubing. Facebook is Facebooking. And Zoom is Zooming. <laughs> All right. So let's begin our study tonight and start. Let's start with a review. Let's start with a review. Here it is. The review. We're looking at studying the word of God. And before I even get to this part, the steps that we talk about in approaching scripture, I want to remind us of the reality that when we are studying the word of God, the study of scripture, the study of scripture is an intimate interaction with the divine. And it is not designed for intellectual combativeness, right? There's no need to have intellectual fighting with each other with the word of God. The word of God is powerful. The creative energy that called the worlds into existence is in the word of God. So that's what we want. We want that interaction with the most high. We want that intimacy with the most high. And in having that intimacy and in having that interaction, the reality is when we enter into the gates of the kingdom, we will hear voices that we have heard familiar while we were here on planet earth, because we would have been, been in communion with the word most high as we're in his word. All right. So never approach this word like it's a regular book. Never approach this word like it's some, some subject to man's concepts and ideas. No, the word of God is superior and we are subject to the scriptures. And there's power as we read the word of God by faith. And we talked about this. One of the major steps that we talked about in studying the word of God is coming to the scriptures with a heart of appreciation, a heart of respect, a heart willing to hear what the spirit has to say. We looked at Job 23, 12, and it talked about how we esteem the words of his mouth more than our necessary food. And I know for us, we take time to eat, man. It's like a ritual. <laughs> If we take the time, we prepare the meal. If you prepare the Sabbath meal ahead of time, you know, you, you took time to prepare the meal and then you eat the meal and then you clean up after the meal. All of these things are surrounding the meal, the time spent in the meal. And so it is when we're in the word of God, there's preparation to enter into study. Then there's the study. Then there's the meditation on the word of God. And we're going to talk about that this evening. But most and first and foremost, we should appreciate the teachings of God's words. If physical food is important, then even more so is our spiritual food important. And then we looked at Jeremiah chapter 36, verses one through five, and you can look at the whole chapter. And there you have Jeremiah and his, and his, his scribe, Baruch or Barak, and Jeremiah is receiving the word for the Lord. Jeremiah speaks it and the writer writes it. Now the king and all his followers didn't want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. In fact, when the word came in the scroll that it was written in, they took a pen and stripped it and ripped it and threw it into the fire. And if you throw the word of God into the fire, it doesn't destroy the word of God, but you receive no benefit. There was no appreciation. There was no value for the word as it was presented. And here is where God's people have to make sure when you approach scripture, 
you approach it in reverence, you approach it with respect, you approach it realizing the value that's there. It's so important. So that was the first one. The second one was research diligently. We talked about searching the scriptures, being like the Bereans, studying to show yourself approved under God. You're not skipping over things. You're not in a rush. This is not a microwave religion. This is a, a heart in the, and intellectual religion that you must take your time to understand and pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the details. Sometimes when you're reading, you may you, you might want to just read to try to get, read the Bible all the way through. I tell you, my friends, you can do that, but you may not gain what you think you can gain if you just take a little bit more time to read and understand. And one passage read and understood is of more value than the many chapters ran through very quickly. So just keep that in mind now as you, as you are looking at studying the word of God. So number one, appreciate the word of God. Number two, research diligently. Number three, exert continuous effort. Now, one of the things I do respect in regards to the athletes of this world or the, the great thinkers of this world or the great educators and teachers, one thing that I find in these experts that you end up you know, looking up to is that they are very consistent in their ethic, in their work ethic. They don't just study one time or read one time. They put the time in day after day after day after day after day after day after hour. As you do this, your spiritual intellect begins to expand. Your intellect begins to grow. And it's interesting because I remember when I was a... Uh, when I was a, a freshman at Oakwood, and they would say things like those, those people who go to Wednesday night prayer meeting, their grades were higher than those who didn't go to prayer meeting, you know? And I, and I began to see this in reality because I had a chemistry class. I don't know if you guys know anything about chemistry. Chemistry is, is, is a good class. <laughs> um, it was a challenging class, and I was not doing well in the class. I, for some reason, the concepts weren't making sense to me fully. And I remember one day, though, like, you know, I was, I just had to study my Bible. And I just really started studying, 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 studying. I was not a theology major. I was just in love with the word. My soul was in need of God's word. And I remember studying, 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 studying. And we couldn't stop studying. It was a Friday night, kind of like this. And we would study two hours, three hours, just going uh on on friday nights but one particular night i believe it was like tuesday night and the test was the next day and i started studying my bible and i couldn't put it down and i knew that test was the next day but i lost track of time and it was like nine o'clock at night now in college i made sure i went to bed at reasonable time so i could wake up early i was really about my business uh and i was studying my bible and i realized i didn't have much time so it was like 9, 9.30. I said, you know what? I got to at least get two hours of study in. So I studied the chemistry for the test for two hours. Now, mind you, every other test <laughs> that I had taken, I spent way more hours in study on, in chemistry. I studied for two hours. Got up the next day, went to take the test. Do you know I pretty much aced that test? I aced that test. There was something about studying the scriptures that expanded my mind that I'm able to, I was able to grasp the ideas and the concepts much more. 
Literally, my friends, when you study the word of God, your intellect increases. Your ability to process information increases. You put in the time, the spiritual muscle grows. The mental muscle grows. So exert continuous effort. Point number four, compare scripture with scripture. Now, again, I'm a patterns guy. When I say I'm a patterns guy, like when I look in the Bible, I look for, I, I happen to see, it's not like I look for patterns, but I see them. I see correlations. I see connections. I see one parable unlocks another parable. This word unlocks the definition of this word. It just keeps growing and developing, growing and developing, and your mind begins to adapt and start seeing the connections throughout all the scripture. So you compare scripture with scripture in order to get the larger, larger understanding. Pretty powerful. All right, compare scripture. That's point number four. Point number five was pray for understanding and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray for understanding and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You and I, in our natural state, cannot, cannot understand the word of God. Cannot, in our natural state, understand what the spirit has to say. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned, and any person who approaches scripture without prayer, and I mean, my friends, even in the casual opening of scripture and discussing it with a friend, you should always pause and pray. What you're doing at that point when you pause and pray, you are acknowledging that in your natural being, you do not have the answers to the word of God. So if somebody asks you, hey, what day is the Sabbath? Before you really go in to try to answer that, either A, you say a short prayer in your mind, or B, if they're fellow believers, you say, hey, before we talk about that, let's just have a word of prayer. Boom. Submitting your, your arrogance, right? Because in, in Christianity, there is a, a, an arrogance that we walk about with because we think we have the right answers, right? So we, we come across as arrogant at times when we're really not trying to. And also we miss some things because I've studied the Sabbath question for years. And whenever I approach scripture, I try my best by God's grace to approach it as if I'm a child. And as I do that, heaven gives me more insight. The angels sp speak more clearly to my mind. And I begin to see things that I had never seen before. So approach scripture and pray for understanding and pray for the gift of the spirit. For the spirit is the one that speaks and gives us understanding of his word. So you'll notice that when I start my prayer or when I'm praying most of the time, I pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I pray for that is because I know that I will not be able to teach or understand unless the spirit is present. And that humility puts us in a position for God to reveal his word. Now, my friends, you and I can read this book backwards and forward, right? We can go, we can just read, 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 read. We'll get information, but we may not get the message. <laughs> I hope you're getting what I'm saying. You may get information, but you may not get the message because you have not submitted yourself to the Holy Spirit as he's the teacher, okay? So keep that in mind. Step, point number six, and this is where we stopped last week. Point number six was avoid false teachers. At a certain point when somebody is intentionally 
ignorant of scripture. When I say intentionally ignorant, there are some people that are not of our of your particular faith who teach truth. I'm not talking about avoiding people that are not of your faith. What I'm talking about is a person that is intentionally and willfully teaching error. They're teaching wrong. They are false teachers. They're speaking against scripture. You do not sit under said teachers. You do that, you end up imbibing their spirit. Okay, you don't want to do that. So you want to avoid false teachers. You also want to avoid a bitter spirit. There's some now, my friends, I've been in the in the church, the body of Christ for a minute. I'll tell you the truth. I have been wounded by the people of God. And I'm quite sure folks have been wounded by me. And what happens is we begin to develop bitterness inside. Now, if you have a bitter spirit, it automatically disqualifies your, your ability to understand the Holy Spirit and his Holy Scripture. So what you want to pray for as you're entering into study, you want to pray that you forgive those who have done you wrong, right? That you forgive, like when you enter in, it's almost like you want to do a spiritual washing, right? You want to make sure that your mind is at peace with God. You want to make sure that you've forgiven those who have done wrong to you. You want to make sure that you're not angry at the church and I'm angry at the conference and I'm angry at this sister and I'm angry. Okay, all that anger thing, that's not present truth. This just so everybody knows, right? The spirit in which we do what we do tells whose side we're on. So we must make sure that our bitterness is removed. The hatred is removed. Forgiveness is a part of who we are. And as we do that, the spirit of God can rest upon us. And I'm I and I'm, I'm and to be honest, friends, we are very human. So I'm not going to act like you pray and then all of that goes away. But the spirit of father, I don't want to be bitter, right? I don't want to be angry. In that spirit, God can work with it. But if you're holding on to it, it begins to rot the inner soul. It begins to distort the vision that God would seek to give you and your understanding will be darkened. That's why people be making up all sorts of prophecy stuff. It's like, wh why are you making that up? Then you find out, oh, they don't like the conference. Oh, I don't like this pastor. Oh, this sister did me wrong. Oh, I, I, I get it. It's not even a doc. It's not even the, the text problem. It's an eye problem. If you get it, get what I'm saying. It's an eye problem. So be careful as you're entering in to sit under someone or even with your own self, what spirit you're sitting under. Okay. Point number seven. And this is where we're going to pick up. This is where we're going to pick up and hold on one second here. Hmm. This is where we're going to pick up, and I want to do something before I do that. Give me a second, friends. When the screen's going to go blank here for a second. Hmm. Give me a moment. So, let me see here. My screen open up. All right, there we go. So point number seven is meditation. Now, when we're talking about meditation, we're not talking about Eastern meditation. We're not talking about emptying our mind. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, we're going to go to scripture now. Go to Daniel chapter nine. Daniel chapter nine. And friends, let's just pray one more time as we're opening the word of God even further now. <clears throat> 
Father in heaven, again, we just wanted to, want to submit our thoughts and feelings to you. We're talking about the practical way of studying scripture, not simply for the ascent to information, but for fellowship with you. So I ask, Father, that you open our eyes and our understanding now that we will walk in love with you and, and reach the highest heights that are available to us in our fellowship with you that we may return and share this light with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so meditation. What is biblical meditation? Go down to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And we are looking, there we go, Ezekiel Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. And we're looking at verse number 3. In fact, let's start at verse number 1 for just a bit more context. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel, of course, in Daniel 8 and Daniel 7, he's had these dreams and visions. And he's looking at these time prophecies. They're not making sense to him. So he's seeking God to understand, right? It says, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You see, Daniel's putting himself in a posture of humility, right? That's what's happening here. He's putting himself in the posture of humility so he can understand the word of God. That's the, that's the posture that he's taking. What posture do you take? In fact, I don't want to ask you. I mean, I'm going to ask you. You don't have to answer in the chat. Just think about it in your mind. When's the last time you opened the Bible with the intent of fast, in fasting and prayer with the intent to understand deeper? Like, I'm going to fast this weekend. And for three days, I'm not going to eat regular food. I might have some just fruit or whatever. I might just drink water, whatever. When's the last time you said, I'm going to dedicate time to really submit my body so that my mind can be submitted to understand scripture deeper, to understand the heart of God better? I challenge you, you may want to do that. You may want to submit to God for that time frame. Not because it, it makes you a better person per se, but it does set your mind in the right place to receive what normally you wouldn't be, be able to receive because you're constantly going to eat or you're constantly talking to everybody or whatever. It's, it's sometimes good. You know what? Just get away for three days and just say, I want to study the word of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to walk in nature. I'm going to talk to God. As you do this, your heart begins to open up and God begins to speak to you. We're talking about relationship here when we're talking about Bible study. Go to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. Let's go a little bit further. And what I'm telling you, my friends, is not theory to me. Like, I'm telling you what has been a wonderful blessing in my life. Uh, 1 Timothy, chapter 4. 1 Timothy, chapter 4. And I'm just going to start reading. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, mercy, 
forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I would love at some point we're going to, in, in one of our studies, to deal with answers to difficult biblical questions. Maybe we'll do that at some point. I know this one is often raised so people can, they want to eat ostrich or something and whatever. <laughs> but let's go a little further. It says, oh, oh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, verse one, the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, people are going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. I have a whole presentation where I show where the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about church at large, all churches that claim to be Christian, are buying into seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, even meditating in ways that introduce these spirits into their experience. It's pretty, pretty intense. Now, I want to jump down to verse... Um, I'll just, I'll just keep reading verse six. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourishing up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse, now watch this, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I mean, practice your religion. It's not just a theoretical sense of information and a theological argument. Don't, don't, don't reduce your experience to arguing. Okay, let's go further. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. What are we commanding and teaching? because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior, right? That's where we're commanded in teaching. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to the reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on the hands of the presbytery, which is the, the church leadership. Meditate. Now, here's the point. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. What are we meditating on? The gospel. The power of the gospel. The gospel and its call in my experience. That's what I'm meditating on. I'm not arguing. We're not debating. That's not what we do. That's not the design of the word of God. The word of God is to be meditated upon. And as you meditate upon it, it does a transformative work in our lives. Again, it's not emptying your mind. It's a focused mind. Pay attention. We're about to teach something. Joshua, go to Joshua. Go to Joshua, the book of Joshua. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So Joshua. All right, Joshua. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, that's interesting, all right? How often are we supposed to meditate upon the law of God? It says day and night. And what is promised to us if we meditate upon a day and night? Good success. Now, the question I had for me when I heard this, I was like, well, how would I do that day and night? How does he want me just to repeat the Ten Commandments all day long? Is that what, is that what it is? Then I began to understand that the commandments of God are exceeding broad. They enter into every aspect of life, finances, faith, family, friendships, uh, fellowship. Uh, it, it, it goes into every aspect of life, food. It, it, I say in all the, the, all the F words there, right? It enters into every aspect of the believer's life. What are the laws or the principles of God's word that guide us in our walk? Upon meditation, upon the truths of the scripture comes our success. When we meditate and empty our minds, that's not doing anything. That's giving you, that's giving you a dangerous place for evil spirits to find residing place in your brain. So don't be emptying your mind. That is not a biblical way to do things. Fill your mind and meditate on the word of God, the principles of his law, the principles of instruction. Upon doing so, you will have success in every aspect of your experience as you meditate and apply what scripture provides you. Go a little further with this now. Go to the book of Psalms. Psalms will say the same thing. Psalms is going to say the same things. Psalm chapter or the division two, one verse two, Psalms chapter one, verse two. And in, in fact, we'll read verses one through six because it's all beautiful, right? Psalms one verses one through six, it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There it is again. Now, I'm a, again, I want to challenge you. If you're listening to me right now, you need to figure out, Father, teach me how to meditate on your word day and night. In other words, continuously. How do I do this? How do I apply it in real life? Like, I really have problems and I really have to go to work <laughs> and I really have to pay bills. And so how do I really meditate on his word day and night? What happens, my friends, is as you continue to think about God's word, it becomes a subconscious guidance. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in regards to what to do as you walk here or there. You know, there's a scripture that says, you will hear a voice behind you say, this is the way walking in it. Well, how is that possible? The Holy Spirit, yes, will speak to you, but it will speak to you. And the only way you know it's speaking is because it's based on the word of God. But if you're not meditating on it, anybody can speak to you. You'd be like, oh, that sounds great. Preacher come preach one week. You'd be like, that's great. Another preacher comes and preaches the opposite. You'd be like, amen. <laughs> I've heard that. I've seen that before. It's like, well, how could you say amen to that and amen to that? Clearly, somebody's not meditating on what those words mean. 
So what are we meditating on? We're filling our minds with the word of God. Daniel was looking at Bible prophecy. He was studying the scripture and he was praying in accordance to what he was reading and understanding. You meditate on the word. You don't empty your mind. Psalms 119. Psalms 119. And we're looking at verse number 48. Psalms 119, verse 48. Psalms 119, verse 48, the Bible says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. Interesting. Now, there's an there's a emotional connection with the commandments of God. Why would you love the commandments? What is it about the commandments that makes David here pronounced with great declaration, the commandments which I have loved. Well, it's because he's been thinking about it. He's been meditating on them. They are, he sees the benefit of them. But let's go to Psalms 119, 148. Watch what the Bible says. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Notice Biblical meditation is a focus on what the word says and how it applies to every aspect of my life, every interaction that I have with others. As you meditate upon the word, it will give you peace. If you meditate upon your life experience, you will probably get stressed out. I, I, I can attest to that. That's a reality, right? People do you wrong start rehearsing that in your brain, you start getting stressed out, you got bills to pay, you got to start getting stressed out, family not there, start getting stressed out, you start getting stressed out, it happens. But I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me because he trusteth in me, the Bible says. You trust on God's word, he will give you peace in the midst of your storm. The test is, Lord, how do I trust you when I don't feel like it? And that's when we have to learn to bring every thought into captivity. And that's why, I mean, again, we're real people. I'm a real person. So I'm not going to tell you I sit here and I do this perfectly all the time. But it is a discipline that you must exercise and you must be intentional that you don't let your feelings guide you in your decision-making processes. It is a, it is a chore. <laughs> as I exercise my faith in God's word, my feelings will follow. But my feelings are never to be my guide. They can be a temperature, but they are never my guide. They are not the, 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 the device that controls the temperature. They might take the temperature, but they can't control the temperature. You and your choice by meditating on God's word controls that temperature by God's grace. Amen. So let's delve into this a little bit further. I'm going to share some quotations with you that by God's grace, you will find to be beneficial as long as my little mouse appears. Here we go. Here we go. So notice. It says we should open the scriptures with reverence. And never allow one expression of lightness and trifling to escape our lips when quoting scripture. It's very powerful, right? As we take our Bible into our, into our hands, let us remember that we are on holy ground. It's, it's powerful. 
I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the most high when I open scripture. No trifling words with the word of God. These, these words come from the most high. So no, it's not a joke with God's word. And again, while we do this, it puts us in the right mindset when dealing with scripture. Because it's not just a book, friends. There is little benefit derived from hasty reading of the scriptures. One may read the whole Bible through and yet fail to see its beauty or comprehend its deep hidden meaning. One passage, now pay attention to this, my friend. One passage studied until its significance is clear to the mind and its relation to the plan, plan of salvation is evident is of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained. I think that's a powerful idea, right? So one passage read, read that passage, read the, don't race, race through the Bible and put on your righteousness by works badge. I read my Bible through this year. That won't do nothing for you, my friends, if you have not imbibed the word of God, if you have not taken the word of God in, if you have not made it a part of your, your counsel, part of your mind. So one passage studied until its significance is clear to the mind and its relation to the plan of salvation is evident is of more value than a perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained. All right? So keep that in mind. Now, point number eight. When you open your Bible, this is, this is vital. You are not opening your Bible to prove anybody anything. <laughs> the Bible is almost like, um, how do I say this? Mm. If I were to sit here and argue with you, like if I, I I'm, a, I'm an African-American male, right? You can see that I'm a, an, a, a black man. And let's just say somebody come to me and talk about, hey, you ain't black, you white. And I, and I sit here and try to prove to them. And I try to, you know, take blood samples and I try to take a portion of my skin and be like, look, bro, can you not see what I am? Like, to me, that's a waste of time. And so it is with scripture. Like, you don't have to argue about scripture. You don't have to debate about scripture. It is true. And maybe you don't, maybe you feel like you have to do that to prove to yourself that it's true. But I've, in my experience at this point, the Bible is true. People can argue all they want. I know the seven days of Sabbath. I don't have to argue with nobody. What I will do, I'll share. Somebody's like, well, and they want to argue. Here's one of the things I've, I've learned to say over time. Oh, uh, the seventh day is on the first day of the week. Or, or they'll argue about, oh, there's no such thing as a heavenly sanctuary or any of those things. And you, and you hear them in their intensity going. And I'm giving you something right now. Watch what I'm going to tell you. And you hear them going and going and going and they're fighting and they're, you can see that they're ready to prove their point. Here's what you do. You ask them a question. I see that you're pretty strong in your, in your position, you know, as you're presenting it. If I were to show you, if, if I would take the time and show you anything in scripture, would you be open to seeing the idea in a different light? Would you be open to that? If they say no, then you'd be like, okay, well, I appreciate your time, man. I got to keep it moving. Have a great day. 
God bless you. Or you don't have to say God bless you. Just have a great day. And you keep it moving. Because if people are not open, you need to find out first if they're open. Otherwise, if you're arguing, you're wasting your time. And the word of God has been given so that you can fall in love. I don't want to use the word fall in love. So you can grow in love with Jesus. So go, to, go with me to John. Go with me to John. John, 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 John. The gospel of John. John chapter 5. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 5. We're looking at verse 39. The Bible says in John 5 and verse 39, search the scriptures. Hmm. Why? For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, man. He's talking to the religious leaders, and these guys are debating. They want to argue. Jesus says, look, if you search the scriptures the way you're supposed to, you think they're supposed to take, lead you to salvation. Let me tell you, I am the epitome of salvation, he says. You search the scriptures, and they are they which testify of me. Of me. So when you open the Bible, who are you looking for? Jesus. Every story, I'm looking for him. Whether that's Zacchaeus was a wee little man, whether that's Samson and Delilah, whether that's Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, whether that's a genealogy that's being traced down, I am looking for a person. His name is Jesus. He is the only one that can bring me salvation. He's the only one that can bring me life. He's the only one that can raise me up in, from my darkness and my sorrow and my sadness. He's the only solution to life's problems. He's the only one that can stop world wars. He's the only one that can stop financial collapse. He is the only one. And if I can find Jesus, I will find my peace of mind and my peace of soul. But I ain't opening my Bible to fight you or nothing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Because it's true. The truth doesn't need to argue. Truth that stands there. You can hit it with an anchor. You can try to blow it up with a nuclear bomb. You can do whatever you want. The truth, truth is still going to be the truth. You cut it up with a pen knife, throw it in the, in the, in the fire. It's still going to be the truth. I don't need to prove truth. Truth is. Therefore, my position is I will rest in that truth. I won't become anxious with the truth. And self doesn't need to rise up to prove truth. Truth is truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. Go a little bit further with this. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 21. We're looking at verses 42 to 44. Matthew 21, 42 to 44. Now watch this. The Bible says in Matthew 21, 42 to 44, Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whomsoever it shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. You see this? Jesus, who's the cornerstone? Who's the stone that, that he's being spoken of? Jesus is quoting scripture from Solomon and he's referring to himself. This is the stone with the builders rejected. You see, Jesus himself is using scripture to talk about himself. Search for Jesus, my friends. Look for Jesus when you open your Bibles. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. 
when you open your Bible in the morning, we talked about this last week, but I'm going to emphasize it again, even now when I'm talking about finding Jesus when you're studying your Bible. Think about this. When you open your Bible prayerfully, because this is the process, you open your Bible prayerfully, the spirit of, of spirit of appreciation, you're doing your diligent research, you're doing this continuously, you're comparing scripture with scripture, uh, you're, you're, you've prayed for understanding the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're avoiding false teachers, right? And now you have uh, entered into this, into this space of, I'm looking for Jesus. Angels assist you when you open your Bible. Your spiritual eyesight is open as the Holy Spirit is there. And this, to me, my friends, is a high form of intimacy with God. No longer is it a chore for me to have devotion. It is an opportunity to fellowship. Are you following? As I enter into it this way, heaven now can reveal truth. And then we're going to get to a point. I'm going to, I hopefully, I, I, I believe this point is in here. Maybe if it's not in here, I'm going to apply it later on. But right now, open scripture to see Jesus. Jesus himself is showing you the pattern of how it's done. Watch this now. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, Jesus has just risen from the dead. In Luke chapter 24, and look at verse 27. And you remember the, the road to Emmaus? The two men are walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has a personal um, Bible study time with them. Watch this. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 24, look at verse 27. The Bible says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Back up. Just a little bit more context. Look at verse 24. It says in verse 24, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but he, but him they saw not. So this is the two men the, talking to Jesus about the resurrection, as if Jesus doesn't know, right? Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That's what he says. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them. You see that? So Jesus himself, instead of just revealing himself, <laughs> has a Bible study with these guys. He doesn't reveal himself yet. He has a Bible study, explains from Genesis to Malachi, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't exist as a book yet. And the Old Testament he uses alone to teach about himself. Are you following me, my friends? Is this making sense to you? I hope, I hope, I hope this is making sense to you. All right. I'm going to answer that question, anonymous attendee. I'm going to answer the question you put in the chat here in a moment. Okay, so alone, he's, he himself, my friends, listen to me now. Jesus could have just been like, you know what, guys? I'm Jesus. I raised from the dead. Look at my hands and feet. Call it a day. He didn't do that. He literally, before he opened their eyes, he says, let's open our Bibles. And he walks through Genesis to Malachi. Friends, I really want to know what that Bible study that he did was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to have sat at the foot of Jesus and as he walked from Genesis to Malachi explaining the gospel. 
because that's what he did. Look, look at Luke chapter 24, look at verse 44 to 49. Jesus does it again. His disciples are afraid, hiding out in his room. In verse 44, it says, he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Oh, so there's, an, there's Psalms that talk about Jesus. There's Old Testament stories, prophets, law. Friends, all throughout the Old Testament is about Jesus. I challenge you. Here's my challenge. Another challenge is my second. I think it's my second challenge. Here's my challenge for you tonight. Over the next course of your studies, go through the Old Testament slowly. Pick up your patriarchs and prophets and prophecy kings or whatever that will help you. And go through and read and see how you can see Jesus and the plan of salvation in the Old Testament and walk it all the way through up to the New Testament. Take your time. And ask God to open your eyes of understanding so that you can see Jesus and love him as he's moving for us in this great plan of salvation. Powerful. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And Jesus said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. My friends, do you see it? As you're opening scripture, you're looking for a person. You're looking for a person in the person of Christ because he is the only one. He is the only one that truly has the answer to life's problems. He is the only one that can give us peace that passes understanding. He is the only one. There's no other name given among men by whereby we must be saved. He is the only one. There's no other person. There's no church. There's no entity. There's no being. There's no government that will solve our problems. But Jesus, through his people, Yes, my friends, he is the answer. You're going to get me singing. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Man, that's an old song. You guys know that song? Look it up. That's an old song. I haven't heard that in a minute. It just came to me just now. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two. Look at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what it says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to study. We study rightly with humility, my friends, looking for a person. His name is Jesus. And you will see him throughout scripture, one page after the other one parable after the other, one story after the other, you'll see God working in past, and then you will understand how God is working in our present day. God is so good, my friends. He is so merciful. I want to see if I can answer this question before I go to the next slide. It says, how do you deal with anxiousness to get you your day started and not compromising with your devotion and morning fellowship? Okay, well, this is a good question because I myself personally have these struggles, right? So the first thing you want to do 
the first thing you want to try to do at least is say, you know what? I want to dedicate a particular time every day at the same time to getting up and having my devotional time. And you more than likely want to do that before. I try to do that before people wake up in the morning. It's like I get up, I try to get up early. Um, right now I, I have the ability to kind of make my own schedule. So I would suggest that you dedicate a particular time and you just get up, even if you just have to get up and go sit. Like if you don't want to read, just get up at the same time. That's the first step. Get up at the same time and sit there and read. Now you say, if I can't read at that time, you know, don't treat it like a chore. Treat it like a relationship. You follow? Don't treat it like, I must be at six o'clock. <laughs> don't do it like that. First and foremost, you say to the father, father, I want to spend time with you. Be honest. And you tell the father, I have anxiousness in being up on time and getting to a place to spend with you. Will you please give me guidance and strength to, to spend time with you? Because I want to. And what will happen is, my friends, the Holy Spirit will start trying to wake you up in the morning. Um, if you're putting effort and energy into to be, being, being a part of the answer to your prayer, uh, he will wake you up. You will, and you will just go and you will sit down and you will say, okay, father. And you start praying, you start reading, you just do it. Don't overthink it. Just get up and do it. And you might just start out with a short amount of time. You just say, okay, I want to do it at least for 10 minutes and it will grow. Relationships take time. God knows that. This is a relationship. It's not simply a duty. Okay. Not simply a duty. It is a relationship because it's not in heaven. They're not going like this. Okay. All right. And I don't know what device they have to keep record of your behavior in heaven. They're like, okay, Andre has kept, Andre has had devotion seven days in a row. Perfect. We are not add this to his, 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 his lot of righteousness. That's not how it works. They, it, there's a record of, of behavior, but the record of behavior is simply evidence of relationship of the bearing of fruit that God has worked in you or he's not working in you, right? And in the process of my relationship with him, it will grow. I remember a brother of mine, uh, not, uh, not a remember, but just the other day, a friend of mine was like, hey, Dre, I prayed for a whole hour without thinking about it. Like he wasn't thinking about how long he was praying. He just went and he was spending time with the Lord and he realized I spent a whole hour talking to God. It's a relationship. And you set appointments. Right, you set an appointment. You got to go to the, the the dentist. What do you do? You set the appointment. Right, you set the appointment. You set the appointment because now you get excited about fellowship, my friends. You probably don't get excited about. Um, I got to read my Bible this morning. If I don't read my Bible, I'm not a Christian. No, stop that, please. It's fellowship. It's relationship. Right, and in doing so, now it builds. Now it grows. Now it's deeper. It's not based on your feelings. All right. I hope that I hope I kind of answered that question. Let me look at it one more time just to make sure. How do I deal with anxiousness to get your day started and not compromise with devotion? Oh, the other part of the 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 anxiousness of getting a day started is how you process your day. Like before I go to bed, I write everything down, or at least the main high points of what I'm going to be executing in my day, my day the next day. And in doing so, there's a time to start that. Right. So there's a time to start that day and there's a time for my devotion time. So if you're if your morning has to start out faster, 
and then everyone's out the door, and then you sit down and have your devotion time, there's nothing wrong with that, all right? But if you can see your day ahead of time, you're not being controlled by your day. You are controlling your day. You set the time and the structure for it. So literally, ain't nobody calling me at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. If they do, they're not getting me, right? There's a certain time frame that I block off. Nobody gets in, me and Jesus right now. And if you do that, you're not going to have the anxiety of the day pressing in on your devotional time because you would have structured it. And then let's just say something happens. Again, give me a practical thing. Something happens throughout the day. You can say, you know what? Because what what's going to end up happening, I'll just tell you the truth. What's going to end up happening because you're, because you're spending this quality time with God, it's gonna, it's, it gets real good. Okay, it gets good. And when you start missing it, you start feeling like you like like something's wrong. <laughs> okay, when you start feeling like, like something's wrong, you got to get back to your friend. You feel what I'm saying? Like it's not a it's not about I gotta do this in order to be saved. It's more like, man, I can't help but want to spend time with him. And if I can't, if I don't have to eat, I won't eat. If I don't have to go to work, I won't go to work. I just got to spend time with him because it's necessary. You start feeling like that. That's when you know you're in the right, you're in the right direction. Because it's a friend, it's a friendship. I'm not just reading the book. All right. I think I made my point on that. Let's go a little bit further. I got three more, three more points in addition to the point I just shared. So let's keep it moving. All right. So here's a quote that kind of backs up the, the principle in regards to looking for Jesus in study. The central theme of the Bible, the theme upon the theme about which every other theme in the whole book clusters is the redemption plan, the restoration in the human soul of the image of God. That's what we're looking for Jesus, right? In the first intimation of hope in the sentence pronounced in Eden to the last glorious promise of the revelation, they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. The burden of every book and every passage of the Bible is the unfolding of this wondrous theme, man's uplifting, the power of God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful, my friends. So what am I looking for when I open the Bible? I'm looking for the redemption plan. I'm looking for the restoration of the human soul in the image of God. I'm looking for that from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Powerful. The gospel is the sanctifying influence in our world. Its influence upon the heart will bring harmony. The standard of truth is to be uplifted and the atonement of Christ presented as the grand central theme for consideration. What is the grand central theme for consideration? The atonement of Christ is the grand central theme for consideration. Uh, what else does it say? So point number nine. Oh, this is my, one of my favorite points, friends. Oh, I, I tell you the truth. One of my most favorite points of all points that there exist. Point number nine, be the friend of God. Be the servant of God. Now, my friends, most people don't talk about this as a point of how to study the Bible, but I do. Because I realize that the Bible is about revelation and not simply about intellectual sent to information. I'll say it again. I've noticed that in the study of God's word, it's more about revelation 
than a simple assent to information. And most believers are functioning on information and gaining pride because they have more information, but what they don't have is revelation. All right. Genesis chapter 18. Look at this story. One of my one of the most insightful things that heaven ever revealed to me about studying the Bible. And it's simple, you know, it's a simple, it's a simple story. You know it. It's nothing new. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham has some visitors. And they're about to leave. And there's an interaction that takes place here that I find to be phenomenal. And notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 18. It says, and the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Pause for a second. Just so you know that this, this phraseology right here it is a prophecy about the, the Messiah that's to come. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, remember, we're looking for Jesus everywhere. <laughs> it's right here. Anyway, go further. For I know him. Now, this is interesting. This is God in, in human form saying, I know him. Who does he know? Abraham. What does he know about Abraham? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Well, that's interesting. God says, I know him. I can trust Abraham with my secrets because I know him. Now, my friend, do you give your secrets to your enemies on purpose? Well, no, you don't. No, no, that's not something you do. Clearly, if God is looking to share his secrets with somebody and he finds a trustworthy vessel, then I need to take note of the relationship that this person has with God, right? I'm going to tell you, God has a problem. He has a problem even to this day. He doesn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> oh, you're not hearing me. I laugh in my own spirit because I know that Many of us don't have a lot of friends either because folks ain't trustworthy. But God has the same problem, probably a worse problem. He doesn't have a lot of friends. So if you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and you look at verse number seven, watch what the Bible describes Abraham as. The Bible says in, Jerem in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse seven, aren't not thou our God? who did is drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. Listen, Abraham is a forever friend of God. Hmm? Abraham is a forever friend of God. You know how we have forever bracelets and people have blood brothers and so, like God had that on wrap from, from here. Abraham is God's forever friend. Oh, I would love God to say to me, Andre is my forever friend. Come on now. Y'all not hearing this. Andre is my forever friend. And because he is my forever friend, I know him that he will teach his family after him. I know him that he will instruct those within his sphere after him. I can trust Andre because he's my forever friend. Oh, don't you want to be God's forever friend? I want God to be able to trust me. And God looked at at this man, Abraham, and says, he's my forever friend. How can, how can I keep a secret from my friend? That's right, Raul. 
How can I do that? Raleigh. I probably said your name wrong, my friend. Right? So how can he do this? Look at this, Daniel chapter 9. Look at Daniel 9. Watch this. Again, point number 9. I'm talking about how to study the Bible. I'm quite sure nobody told you to be God's friend before you study the Bible. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if you want to study the Bible and you want to get the insights that heaven has to reveal, be his friend. In Daniel 9, and the way that you're his friend, you're willing to follow instruction because he says, I know, I know him. I know him that he will follow after what I've instructed him to do. Daniel 9, watch this now. Daniel chapter 9, and we're looking now at verse number 20. Daniel 9, verse 20. Watch this. The Bible says, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people in Israel, of people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the, for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give the skill and understanding. This is why we pray before we study the Bible, right? So he's come to give him skill and understanding. Watch what he says. And at the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art, what's it say? For thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. My friends, I say this all the time. When I'm teaching Daniel Revelation, this text right here is one of my key texts. You know why? Because before the angel gives him an interpretation, he gives him a revelation of his relationship with his God before he tells him this beast means this, this beast means that, this dragon means this. Before he gives a revelation, he, um, before he gives a, an understanding of prophecy, he gives him a revelation of his position with his God. Are you following? You are greatly beloved. Therefore, now consider the understanding and interpretation of the vision. So when you're understanding, when you're studying scripture, my friends, understand your relationship with God before you enter into that thing, man. As you do this, it will open your heart to be able to see more clearly what he's saying. Have you ever had to argue with somebody? And you have a problem with them. So everything they say is, is interpreted wrong anyway, right? You ever seen that? Like you're talking to somebody and you're, they're talking back and you don't like each other anyway. So everything you're saying is like going at cross purposes. <laughs> but when you're in a good mood, and you're good with the person that you're talking to, and you have a good relationship, you can, you can barely say a word, and they can finish your sentence. They're like finishing your thought before you even say a word, because it's the relationship that, that gives clarity to what is being communicated. So like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, like, my wife will be talking, right? Um, no, my daughter will be talking. And I'm not really getting what my daughter's saying, and my wife will actually like finish saying what my daughter's saying like can you let the girl talk <laughs> but because of their bond with each other right because of their union with each other their friendship with each other their thoughts are united and i'm saying when you're studying the bible this friendship will will eliminate some of the barriers that hinder us from understanding scripture or even how to apply it go to daniel chapter 10 look at verse 18 to 21 Daniel chapter 10, look at verse 18 to 21. Notice what the Bible says. 
Oh, time is moving very quickly here. Daniel 10, 18 to 21, the Bible says, then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me and said, oh man, greatly beloved. See that? Fear not, peace be upon thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto him, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he unto me, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I am gone, for lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. You see that? So the angel says, before I, I'm going to tell you the truth, but understand your position. You are greatly beloved. Mm, 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 mm. Listen, friends, if you don't get nothing else from what I said tonight, I pray you get this point. Friendship with God. Friendship with God is what we want. John 13. Go to John. John 13. Much. So the book of Daniel, one of the greatest prophets, right, that wrote the book, had a deep abiding relationship with God to the point where God comes and declares, <laughs> you are greatly beloved. In John chapter 13, verse 23, look at this. John 13, verse 23, the Bible says, the Bible says, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Anybody pay attention? Who's this disciple whom Jesus loved that is laying on the bosom of Jesus? Who is this disciple? Well, if you don't know already, that's right. It's John. John is laying in the bosom of Jesus. Now, keep this in mind. Remember in John chapter one, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember John chapter one, I believe it's verse 18. It says something to the effect of, in fact, hold your hand in John, John right here, John 13, 23. Go to John chapter one, verse 18. Look at this. Look how when this phrase is used, understand the depth of how it's being used. In John chapter one, look at verse 18. It says, no man have seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the, what's it say? In the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. Y'all not hearing this thing, man. <laughs> it gets sweeter. Every time I talk about this, it gets sweeter. It, it actually hits me in a different way. So here is Jesus being described as being in the bosom of the father and coming from the bosom of the father. He now declares the father to us. He reveals the father to us. So it is incumbent upon us as his children to be in his bosom if we're going to declare his word to other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must be in his bosom. That's close. That's tight. That's deep. It's abiding. As you're in his bosom, you can declare. The further you are away, the less power you have. Deeper yet is what we want. So think about this. John, the disciple, writes the book of John, and he also writes the book of Revelation. So the Bible says that uh, Daniel was greatly beloved. And now you have the disciple whom Jesus loved. Both of these men writing the greatest books in the Bible, in my opinion. 
well, I can't say the greatest because they're all revelation of God. But they're one of the most awesome books in the Bible. John, the, the Daniel and Revelation. Both men, deep abiding relationship with God. Both books, pro pro prophetic insights into how God is moving in these last days. You and I have an opportunity to enter into this fellowship when we open the word of God to know him more and know him better. Revelation, here we are. Revelation chapter one. Revelation chapter one. Looking verses one and two. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter one, verses one and two. The revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus and of all things that he saw. Do you see him, friends? Here, Abraham is a friend of God. God says, because you're my friend, I'm going to reveal to you what's going to happen. I'm going to share with you what's going to take place. Here, Daniel is a friend of God. He is, a, he is loved of God. And in that loving relationship, God says, I'm going to share my secrets with you so you can share them with the world. John, in the bosom of God, in the friendship with God, God says, I'm going to share my secrets with you and you're going to share them with the world. You see, my friends, Bible study is not about intellectual ascent alone. It's about a deep abiding relationship and revelation with God himself. I pray you're understanding that. Let's go further. So notice, the, notice this. Watch this, friends. How oh, I love this. The records of Genesis. In the records of Genesis, we see the patriarch at the hot summer noontide resting in his tent door under the shadow of the oaks of Mamre. Three travelers are passing near. They make no appeal for hospitality, solicit no favor, but Abraham does not permit them to go on their way unrefreshed. He is a man full of years, a man of dignity and wealth, one highly honored and accustomed to command. Yet on seeing these strangers, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Addressing the leader, he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, Pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. With his own hands, he brought, brought, he brought water that they might wash the dust of travel from their feet. He himself selected their food while they were at rest under the cool shade. Sarah, his wife, made ready for their entertainment, and Abraham stood respectfully beside them while they partook of his hospitality. This kindness he showed them simply as, a, as wayfarers, passing strangers who might never come to his way again. But the entertainment over, his guest stood revealed. Pay attention now. He had ministered not only to heavenly angels, but to their glorious commander, his creator, redeemer, and king. And to Abraham, the councils of heaven were open and he was called, what was he called, my friends? He was called the friend of God. Amazing. Now watch, listen to this. The privilege granted Abraham and Lot is not denied to us. By showing hospitality to God's children, we too may receive his angels in our, into our dwellings. Even in our day, angels in human form enter the homes of men and are entertained by them. And Christians who live in the light of God's countenance are always 
accompanied by unseen angels. Mercy, Lord. And these holy beings leave behind them a blessing in our homes. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. Mercy, fam. Point number 10. And again, <laughs> you will not hear many people apply this point in telling you how to study the Bible, but you must apply what you learn. Apply what you learn. Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy, 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 Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy chapter four, we're looking at verses one, five, and six. The Bible says, now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the, the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you, right? So do what I say and possess the land. Verse five, behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whether ye go to possess it. So here it is. I have taught you, now you are to do it. Verse six, keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of nations which shall hear of these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Keep and do them. Do them is part of getting understanding. Revelation chapter one, verse three, look at this. Revelation chapter one, verse three. The Bible says, blessed is he that readeth and they that keep the words of this prophecy. I'm sorry, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So where's the blessing at? The blessing is on those that read, those that hear, and those that keep. Keep means to do. Leviticus 19, verse 37. Go there very quickly. Leviticus. I like saying that word. Leviticus. Leviticus 19. In verse 37, it says, therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. Do them. Numbers, go to Leviticus Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, verse 39. I think you're going to see a redundancy here, a pattern. Look at this. And it's funny, I, you know, I don't know how I came across this like this, but it, it just happens, right? Numbers chapter 15, verse 39, I see patterns. It says, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye, shall, that ye may look upon it. Talking about the blue border on the garment, right? And remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye use to go a whoring. So there it is again, do them. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse one, look again. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, and Moses called all Israel and said unto them, hear, O Israel, the statutes and judges which I speak 
in your ears this day that ye may learn them and keep and do them. I think you guys are getting the point. You know, notice, uh, I, and if you look at every other verse that I give you here, it's going to say the same thing. Do them, do them, do them. Now watch this next quote I'm going to share with you so you can see the power of doing what you learn. Because if you do what you learn, there's a blessing that comes with it. Watch this, my friends. It says, but if you do not make the sacred teachings of God's word, the ruling God of your life, the truth will be nothing to you. Now watch this. Truth is efficient only as it is carried out in practical life. If the word of God condemns some habit you indulge or feeling you cherish, a spirit you have manifested, turn not from the sacred monitor, but turn away from the evil of your doings and let Jesus cleanse and sanctify your heart. Confess your faults and forsake them wholly and determinately, believing the promises of God and showing your faith by your works. If the truths of the Bible are woven into practical life, they will bring the mind up from its earthliness and debasement. You see that, my friends? We'll bring the mind up. Those who are conversant with the scriptures will be men and women who, are, who exert an elevating influence. In searching for heaven-revealed truths, the Spirit of God is brought into close connection with the heart. Okay, you see it? So as you hear the word, apply the word. The more you apply the word, the more efficient it is, the more your intellect begins to grow. Watch this. An understanding of the revealed will of God enlarges the mind, expands, elevates, and endows it with new vigor by bringing its faculties in co into contact with the stupendous truth. No study is better to give energy to the mind, to strengthen the intellect, than the study of the word of God. No other book is so potent in elevating the thoughts and giving vigor to the faculties, as is the Bible which contains the most ennobling truths. If God's word was studied as it should be, we should see greater breadth of mind, stability of purpose, and nobility of character. Powerful. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it says a true knowledge of the Bible can be gained only through the aid of that spirit by whom the word was given. And in order to gain this knowledge, we must live by it. Y'all didn't hear that. Y'all heard that? Let me read it again. A true knowledge of the Bible can be gained only through the aid of, the, of, the, of that spirit by whom the word was given. And in order to gain this knowledge, we must live by it. You see, my friends? You see? Let me just look. <laughs> this is why I said, Few people talk about studying the Bible in the context of applying the truth in order to gain a greater understanding. You don't get the knowledge in and of itself just by reading. As you apply, the knowledge becomes practical and real. I love it, my friend. Not just a theoretical sent to information. All that God's word commands we are to obey all that it promises we can claim hallelujah the life which is which it enjoins is the is the life that 
through its power we are to live. Only as the Bible is thus held can it be studied effectively. Mm. Y'all got that? Only as the Bible is thus held. Can it be studied effectively? I hope you wrote the quotation now. I'm going to actually, I don't, I usually don't say the reference. I usually don't say the reference, but I want to say the reference for those who are just going to be hearing this. Uh, I'm going to read the, I'm going to say the reference here. The reference is education page 189 paragraph two. Phenomenal. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. God sent his only begotten son in human form. No question about it. He makes it so that we can relate. Now, listen, friends. If the Bible is practical and if the point that Sister Susan is bringing out, if that's true, like if the word becomes flesh, that means it's practical. It's living. How much more then, as we approach scripture, do we approach it with reverence, humility and respect as we're reading to apply to live, not apply to debate. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, I must hasten on because time is fleeting. It's almost three minutes until I was supposed to stop. So let's see. It is by the perusal of the Bible that the mind is strengthened, refined, and elevated. If there were not another book in the wide world, the word of God lived out through the grace of Christ would make man perfect in this world with a character fitted for the future, immortal life. Those who study the word, taking it in faith as the truth and receiving it into the character will be complete in him who is all and in all. Thank God for the possibility set forth before humanity. But a study of, but the, but a study of the many different authors confuses and wearies the mind and has a de detrimental influence upon the religious life. In the Bible are specified distinctly man's duties to God and to his fellow men. But without a study of the word, how can these requirements be met? We must have a knowledge of God, for this is life eternal, said Christ, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Fundamentals of Education, page 445, paragraph 2. Oh, my friends. There is an eloquence far more powerful than the eloquence of words in the quiet, consistent life of a pure, true Christian. What a man is has more influence than what he says. May God help us, brothers and sisters. May this become a reality that our lives speak louder than our words. Ministry of Healing, page 469, paragraph one. All right. All right, Ministry of Healing 469, paragraph two. The officers who were sent to Jesus came back with the report that never a man spake as he spoke. But the reason for this was that never a man lived as he lived. Had his life been other than it was, he could not have spoken as he did. His words bore with them a convincing power because they came from a heart pure and holy, full of love and sympathy, benevolence and truth. What a man is, is greater than what a man says. 
It is our own character and experience that determine our influence upon others. In order to convince others of the power of Christ's grace, we must know its power in our own hearts and lives. Amen. The gospel we present for the saving of souls must be the gospel by which our own souls are saved. Only through, a, only through a living faith in Christ as a personal savior is it possible to make influence, make our influence felt in a skeptical world. I like the word only. Only indicates only. Only through a living faith in Christ will it have this impact in the skeptical world. If we would draw sinners out of the swift running current, our own feet must be firmly set upon the rock. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Hallelujah. This is truth. All right, let's pass this. Last point. We're going a little long. So this is the last point for the evening. Last point for the evening. Learn to view the word as a whole and see the relation of its parts. Now, both the texts I have written here, we've covered already. One of them being Jesus going from Genesis to Malachi, explaining about himself. The other is study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. These scriptures speak of the totality. In fact, in fact, no, no, no. 2 Timothy 3.15 says something a little different, I believe. Let me let's just go to 2 Timothy 3.15 for a second. Yes, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's read that because I was quoting 2 Timothy 2. But 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 says, and that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And there you have it, my friends, the totality of scripture. Not one piece here, not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, the entirety of scripture. Learn to view the word as a whole. The truth for this time is, bro is broad in its outlines, far-reaching, embracing many doctrines, but these doctrines are not detached items, which mean little. They are united by golden threads, forming a complete whole with Christ as the living center. My friends, keep these thoughts in mind. Christ as the living center. View the word as a whole. Every doctrine is connected to another doctrine. The, the state of the dead is not separate from the Sabbath, is not separate from the second coming, not separate from stewardship, not, se not separate from um, sanctification. It, it, all of them are all connected. Every story is connected. Everything is bound together by what? By Christ. He is the living center. He is everything to us. To my friends tonight, how many in this group understand that Bible study is not simply about mental, intellectual assent to information? How many of you understand that? If you understand that type, yes, I understand that, Andre. I understand that Bible study is not simply about mental assent to information. Amen. Amen. My brothers and sisters, it is about fellowship. Fellowship. 
It's about a knowledge of how God moves, how he operates, how he wants to be in fellowship with his friends. And you and I have the privilege and opportunity to be friends of God. Friends of God. If that's your desire tonight, if you want to be a friend of God, if you want to deepen your friendship, because I know many of us are already friends of God, but we want to deepen our friendship. Our friendship can be deeper. It can go way, 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 way deeper. If that's, your, if that's your desire to have a deeper friendship with God, why don't you bow your hands with me tonight? Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the opportunity of studying your word. As we progressed in our study, progressed in our understanding of your desire for us to enter into fellowship with you through your scripture. We ask, Lord, that you write this principle in our heart. But the truths that we have learned, may we apply them. What you share with us in fellowship with you, may we, in the same manner, be willing to share with others in the same spirit that you share with us. Father, you know us, you know our struggles. There's, there's not one person that's listening to me that is absolutely 100% perfect. We are in desperate need of you. And the only thing that can be perfect is our dependence upon you to work your perfection in us so that your name can be glorified in this dark and evil world. Father, please. We know how to fake each other, but we don't know. We cannot fake you out. So, Lord, as we have entered into this Sabbath, as we have entered into this fellowship, as we are entering and desiring to know you more, please forgive us for our arrogancy and our pride, thinking that we already know. Please, Lord. The times are crazy. People are losing their minds. Whole nations are, are crumbling. And we don't know you. And we don't trust you like we should. So do, please, Father, fulfill your word to your children. Give us a fresh revelation of you. Forgive us for where we have fallen from your glory. And maybe you, by your word, be risen up into a place where the world can see that you can do amazing things with broken people. We love you, Father. Teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray in the name of Jesus, claiming the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. My friends, thank you so much for the time spent. Pray for me this week. I, I implore you. I need to write faster. And uh, I'm going to be writing faster by God's grace this week. And you're beginning several updates regarding the podcasts and the lesson guides and so in the powerpoint you have access to the powerpoints and everything so if you pray that i write faster be a little bit more organized and systematized that i can get you guys uh, the things that i have said i was going to get you all right i have one question here before we jump off it says is your foundation the message of righteousness by faith that has been for the new that it take preeminence in these last days by God's grace, uh, Christ is everything. Yes. One message will prevail. <laughs> Christ is our righteousness. He is everything to us in every aspect of, of our lives. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sabbath. And may the Lord continue to bless and keep you. 
uh, as the day goes. Maranatha. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.